Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hi, it's Sonia. This week, Carrie and I are talking about sheet pans. We're getting into the specifics of what kinds we use, what we're cooking on them, how to make a complete meal on them, vegetarian options, meat options. There's so much here. And as Carrie made me realize, it's sort of like our modern day casserole. Like people used to throw a bunch of ingredients into a casserole dish to have a complete meal. And now there's really been this kind of ongoing trend with sheet pans. So we hope this episode inspires you to make your own sheet pan meal. We'd love to hear what you're cooking, so drop us a line on Instagram or at foodfriendspod at gmail.com. We always love to hear from you, and stay tuned for more. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Sonia. So excited for this conversation. Sheep pans. Let's sheep talk pan about dinners. sheep pan dinners. <laughs> we got to start at the beginning, right? Yeah, I think we have to start at the beginning with... The idea of what is a sheet pan. Does everybody know what a sheet pan is? I don't think so. I also feel like there's like 20 names for a sheet pan. There's baking sheet, cookie sheet, jelly yes. roll pan is jelly a Jelly roll pan. Oh gosh, I forgot about that one, which is actually kind of what we're talking about. We're talking That's about a jelly I'm talking roll. about a jelly yes. roll pan. It's a metal jelly roll pan. And by jelly roll pan, we mean a flat pan that has maybe like an – is it an inch? I'd say a half inch. Half half inch inch. Because actual true cookie sheets often are just with no – with just like one rimmed side. Yes. Yes. I have some of those. I have some of those from my grandmother. I do. I don't have any of those. I have flat pans that have one – basically just something for you to grip onto. So one side that has a lip. And it that idea – Uh Just to digress slightly from this conversation is that when you put your cookies on that sheet, on this like actual cookie sheet, then the air can flow around it and sort of make crispy cookie edges. That's the idea. I get plenty of crispy cookie edges though in my regular. I know you do. (laughs) But also, wait, this is a great – I'm so glad we're talking about this because I actually have different colored sheet pans. I have metal Mm -hmm. ones that are dark and they're probably made from some kind of, you know, I don't know, carbon steel or some other kind of steel versus like aluminum versus like you probably can get some kind of stainless steel at this yeah. point. And so, so basically light silver and dark. And then now they have colored sheet pans. I don't have any of those. But the reason I'm bringing it up is it changes the way things bake. It does. And roast. Because there's also the roasting pan, yes. which then has this like higher lip. You could put a whole chicken into that yeah. and you could fill it with a bunch of things. In that case, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like things steam more in that space or like the tops get browned, but the yeah. bottoms get are more steamed. Yeah, I don't ever use a roasting pan except for turkey or a braise. That's more of like a turkey pan. Yeah, or a a braise. Like I'll break short, short. If I'm doing like a big, huge batch of short ribs, I might do that in a deep roasting pan that I have. But I find that hard to cover to get like a real steel. I do a layer of parchment and then a layer of foil. And oh, like wow. really wrap like really it. wrap it up. Okay. But that's like, again, if I'm cooking for a large crowd as opposed yes. to just like, you know, six people. people. Yeah. Right. I think for the purposes of our conversation, we're talking about meals that you can make in a baking sheet, like the kind you find in a restaurant, the kind that calls, is called a jelly roll, that kind that has a little bit of a lip, but not too much. And kind of want to add a cast iron pan, which is nothing like what we're talking about. No, I, I think we have to include cast iron here because part of the idea of this sheet pan dinner, I what I'm going for 
for when I'm doing this kind of cooking is I want some crispy edges. I like the crispy edges. The one other thing I want to term, I think I want to add to this, it's a little chefy, I think. We call it a half sheet. So yeah. your, my sheet pans are from a restaurant supply store. And I think personally, that's the best place to get them. Yeah. And I think they're maybe like 10 bucks. And I've had mine for 15 years. And I bought them for all of my clients. It's such a small investment that there's a zillion uses for. I feel like it's one of those essential, like you need a yes. good knife and yes. sheet pans. And like, yes. I even care about sheet pans more than I care what kind of pots and pans you have. It's just such a, if I'm in a kitchen without a proper sheet pan, like the kind we're talking about, like a yes. kind of heavier thicker one with with a lip I feel like a little lost growing up the way that I did I mean my mom did have good sheet pans but I think in a lot of grocery stores there's like a section of equipment that you yeah. can buy and so I think people sometimes just grab those things but those are actually not cheaper they're no. the, the ones that we're talking about from like a restaurant supply store are very very cheap and you know I've used mine on the grill they warp a little bit when you put them on like at 500 600 degrees but like they go back to their shape when they're cool again these will last so long. And you don't need the highest end version. Although I will say the one, ones that I really like that you can get online if you don't have a restaurant supply store is the Nordicware brand. Okay. Nordicware has feelings about those because I think that they're expensive. They're and really I don't think good. That they're better than mine. They're not. I'm just TVs. saying if you don't, they're not that expensive and they're very, very good quality. They just yeah. are. I think I have them from a shoot and I really do like them. So I, if, I will agree with you that we can include cast iron skillet in this. And I also have a cast iron griddle. It's a griddle on one side and a grill on the other that's kind of like long. Well, can this is the other parameter I'm thinking about and why I'm offering the cast <laughs> iron. Because what I really wanted to talk to you about today was meals that can come, the main part of the meal or most of the components of the meal get all put into one cooking vessel. And I guess we're excluding one pot meals from this conversation for the moment. A sheet pan meal to me is you're putting everything on a sheet pan and it makes your life so easy because that's the one thing you're sticking in the oven. Right. For the most part. And then maybe you have a salad or a side with it or bread or something. And cast irons But in me, a lot of these recipes, you can throw everything. The, that's exactly right. The protein, and, the vegetables, and cast, yeah. And cast irons have the same purpose where you could put a whole meal together in one cast iron pan. From our Cooking Without Recipes episode where you talk about the chicken. You know, you put vegetables on the bottom. You put the chicken on top. The spatch catch cocked chicken, right? Or the chicken parts. That's a sheet pan dinner. It can be yes, a sheet pan that's dinner. Yes, that's what I'm – that's exactly Exactly. Yes. So I think we're okay. on totally the same page. And I think the next question besides like we now established the tools we're using. <laughs> do you are you a parchment paper person? Are you a foil person? Are you a let it be bare person? I used to be a big parchment paper person. When I learned how to roast vegetables, that was kind of the way people were talking about it. And the other thing too, because I also got my sheet pans at a restaurant supply store, you could buy parchment that was cut to a half sheet yeah. and you could buy parchment that was cut. They called the full sheet like the extra wide sheet and those are for like commercial ovens yes. but that's why the half sheet is for like regular home oven and by the way there's also a quarter, quarter sheet, sheet which I love I, I have, have those a couple too. of those too yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love those too and those are almost like a tray like a personal yes, pan pizza, that's how I right? use them yes, I totally. use them more as a tray or like as a tray. if you have to reheat something really small in a yeah. toaster oven they're yes. great I've seen those quarter sheets offered almost as a plate like if you go to a sandwich yes, shop which absolutely. I think is really 
It's charming. I think it's really charming. So yeah, back when I learned how to roast, basically roast vegetables, the leading thought was you lay parchment onto your baking sheet and you roast it at a high temperature and you get the crispy pieces. But what I've realized is that parchment kind of stands in the way of really, really crispy pieces. And so I actually am always bare now. Are you really? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I guess- I feel like there's some inappropriate innuendos we could make, but I am still into the parchment and the silicone mats because, and I think this is the next question. Like I don't use foil, that I don't do. And I I don't mind sacrificing a little crispiness for not sticking and more importantly, for not scrubbing (laughs) because cleaning sheet pans, I think is the worst activity of all dish cleaning. But it's just kind of part of the deal. Yeah, I know, but it's just the worst. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to worry about scraping off like a nonstick coating. Yeah. So you can really scrub them with like whatever kind of Is that what you do? Or what's your trick? You use not steel wool, you use the like little metal scrabble. You can use steel wool. Like if you really have a massacre on them, you can use a steel wool and it's fine. It just scratches it, but who cares? It's a tool, you know? And you're not, again, you're not scratching off anything that you shouldn't. I used to get kind of bummed out about how there would always be just like a blackened corner that you could never ever clean and now oh, I'm, I don't care about that no now all. I embrace yeah. it now I'm like oh it's the charm of using it and the darker sheet pans I mentioned to you I've had them since I was in my mid-20s I don't know why but the oil actually almost like soaks into the metal and so now they're like practically black and I actually love it because it's almost you like earned a, it yes it's like there you've you've earned it's like a a well-worn path and it really browns things really well so if yes. I need like something very browned I yes. use my dark pan I feel like we should kind of get into like what are we cooking on these sheet pans? Yeah. Because I don't like to put everything onto one pan. I So if I'm going to make broccoli and cauliflower and chicken, all the broccoli goes onto one pan, all the cauliflower goes onto another, and the chicken maybe goes on. I don't know. Tell me what you do. I feel like, because you're a little bit more of a purist in this. I love a sheet pan meal. I love, it thrills me to have one thing that I'm making everything on, one thing that I'm cleaning everything on. I would say the easiest to start with. If you're just dipping your toes into sheet pan meals, I really really think that you can't get any easier than a sausage sheet pan meal. And you can even do it with vegan sausages if that's your thing, but any kind of sausage, like the kind you get at the deli counter too, that they make in house. It's either chicken or turkey or whatever meat or pork, but also the kinds you get in packages that are pre-made or and fully cooked that you're just reheating. That all works. I'm usually in the 375, 400 range with that. And to me, just getting sausages, cutting up Uh, onions into wedges, adding peppers if we're in pepper season or tomatoes or uh, broccoli or whatever like roasting vegetable you like. Because the meat is like almost already cooked. Like it's already a cooked meat. So you're kind of just like roasting the vegetables along with heating up the meat. And then that meat... That's the sausage, right, is rendering its flavor and fat onto your vegetables. In the same way yes. that we talked about the schmaltzy chicken yes. fat. That's part of the idea of why you yeah. would be doing it on one pan. Also, it, like I said, it works with totally raw sausage, the kind that you're getting fresh right. from your butcher. And that, in fact, lends even more flavor. It's more delicious because all yeah. that fat like roasts out of it and then it gets all over your veggies. And it's Like a wonderful Italian – like I love a wonderful chicken Italian sausage. Right. And I love that with – again, if you get onions and peppers, 
offers and like let's say you wanted to make like got really good crusty rolls or yeah. you get where I'm going. Yeah, I get where you're going. And I think that that was one of the do we want these rules about it? Because some of the best sheet pan dinners I've had are or one of the one of my favorite ones is if I'm roasting broccoli and then I cook pasta and then at the end when the post when the pasta is cooked, I throw that onto the sheet pan with the broccoli and get the pasta crunchy. You can add any kind of cheese, ricotta, you can add cheddar, you can add Parmesan. And so it kind of creates this baked pasta dish, but all the pieces are crispy instead of just the top or the side. You're getting a lot more texture from all the things that you're adding as opposed to Instead of being creamy, it's more crunchy. You're talking about all the flavor components are on the sheet pan and then the starch you've cooked separately. Yeah, because I've also done it where I've made, say, roasted mushrooms and roasted peppers and that kind of idea. And then once they've all been cooked, then I put them into a tortilla. I feel like the side starch is an appropriate add-on, but I do think one of the tricks for like having your main meal or really even if you want a complete meal on a sheet pan is instead of using multiple sheet pans one thing that I do often is I just don't add everything at once so what I'll often do is have a potato component let's say and I'll start with the potatoes. And then after like 15 minutes, they're starting to get, you know, more and more tender, but they're definitely not cooked. At that point, I might add a piece of salmon or other vegetables that are going to take a lot less time to cook, whether it's Brussels right. sprouts or broccoli or zucchini. Or maybe tomato, cherry tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes, like right. right. And if it's like a chicken sheet pan meal, then I would definitely be using bone in, skin on chicken thighs. I think those work the best for sheet pan meals okay. because they cook pretty quickly quickly. They get crispy on top, but they don't dry out. And that I would put the potatoes and the chicken in at the same you start time. There, you start there first. That bone in skin on chicken needs more time than say a piece of broccoli or a piece of cauliflower or a green bean. Roasted green beans are really delicious too, by the way. So good. And really asparagus. Like my go-to is yes. usually like a potato, a salmon, asparagus, sheep hand meal, like as, as a real go-to. And, and then I think the next thing to think about is the flavor profile of your meal. So if you're doing a potato salmon asparagus meal it's almost the order is potato asparagus and salmon are almost the same amount of time asparagus might be slightly longer salmon takes very little time and you don't want it overcooked now like if you just have those three components first of all that's a meal could do harissa spicing on everything you could do a kind of gochujang spice on everything you could do could do salt and pepper and add a sauce at the end there you go which you could make while your stuff is cooking right once you've put it all onto the sheet pan, then you're hands off. And so there's so much space to play. And and what are like some of the unexpected things that you're, you're, I feel like you mentioned cheese at one point to me. Yeah. So I wrote down a couple of ideas. One was the crispy pasta. Which I've done that one with like a pork sausage. I have this really great farmer. I love their pork sausage. It's called Pete's and Barnett. They have these heirloom pigs that are just so delicious and fatty. So I like their mild Italian sausage. I'll roll that up into little meatballs and throw it onto a sheet pan with some broccoli and this also works with pasta that's already left over and then I'll maybe toss that with like a I'll just toss that into the fat once it's been cooking and so then the meatballs are cooked the broccoli tastes like pork fat and then there's all this pasta that gets kind of crunchy and crispy and you throw the pasta onto the sheet pan and you put it back in the oven and I put it back in the oven oh how fun and that's when you could also give it like a little run under the broiler crispy pieces that's so yummy what a great idea yeah meatballs is its own category of sheet pan meal because everyone thinks you have to brown them on a stovetop first and you really don't. This restaurant 
group in New York called the Meatball Shop. And I have their cookbook and they make all these different kinds of meatballs. And I ate there a lot when I lived there for a summer because I really liked their veggies, which is also a funny aside. But they make none of their meatballs in a skillet. They roast them all in the oven. Every one of their meatballs, including like the vegetarian ones made with lentils. But yeah. And they just scoop them onto the sheet pan. Yes. The thing that could be cool with that is like, because I've made them with you before, different ones from that book. Once they're almost cooked, three quarters of the way done, you could add in your broccoli or something on onto yeah, the sheet pan. veggies in there. Yeah. And then if you wanted to serve with pasta, you could do that. If you wanted to serve with pita, you could cook the whole thing and then sort of throw the pitas on the top of the whole thing at the very end for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes and warm them up. You can also serve that with a side of rice. If you wanted to keep it for simplicity's sake, if you made a kind of shawarma profile yes. or a ras al hanout profile or any one of those kind of Middle Eastern or North African spice combinations and you put meatballs with those flavors and then you add your veggies and maybe a little onion and then you have pita pockets in the side of tzatziki or hummus or tahini or all pre-made you don't even have to make it that's a fun dinner that's a really really fun dinner and I think one of the nuances that you and I wanted to discuss is you've already got this really great vessel for serving the food and so even if you use one of the things I love to do is crispy chickpeas and I kind of like those to be on their own because I really like them to get super crunchy yes so if you've used a pan for crispy chickpeas and then you've used another pan for your chicken and your veggies and whatever, then you can kind of pile everything onto one and then serve it all in that space. You love a layered sheet pan. Like you've taken all your different sheet pan elements and you put them all in one sheet pan and it's serve family style and it's so fun and everyone can just scoop up and dig in and find the crispy bits they like. It's the idea of nachos, like a community community nacho offering, which is something (laughs) my family does a lot. Mac and I love to make nachos together. So yeah, it's that idea you're serving it on the pan and one of the other things I love to do is use halloumi cheese Mm. because halloumi so halloumi is like it's a Greek cheese right yeah it retains its shape and it gets crunchy and so that's something I also love you can throw halloumi in with chickpeas with broccoli with cauliflower with cherry tomatoes all these things and then you kind of have this Mediterranean profile which then you can pair with bread pasta rice I love halloumi it gets so nicely brown and it retains its shape, like you said, and it's salty. It's salty. It has that special element, you know, that sort And they of like, sell it at Trader Joe's now. I feel like I said it every do? episode. They do. They sell it. It's much easier to get than it used to be. That's a really great cheese if you've never had it. And it lasts a long time in the fridge too. That's what I love about it too. And I think the New York Times just posted a halloumi sheet pan meal that it caught my eye. So we'll link that because I do think that's a fun take on this. I want to go back to chickpeas for a second because I also like a crispy chickpea and And I wanted to develop a recipe where I didn't have to have them all on their own. And so, Carrie, I think you know that I've been working on a cookbook for a little while. I did know that you've been working (laughs) on a cookbook. Do you have a cookbook update for me? I do have a cookbook update. Our publishing date is coming up early summer. Oh my gosh, really? It's finally happening? It's happening. Okay. And I'm so excited to share it with everyone. I definitely will... We'll fill everyone in, all our listeners. I'm so thrilled to hear this, that it's finally 
coming out into the world. Thank you. And the world can know how special your cooking is and all of your beautiful recipes. I can't wait to see it. Well, one of the very first recipes in the, the very first recipe in the book is inspired by you and and says that. So you'll, you were definitely a part of this book. Uh, And I want to give you a preview of one of the recipes because it's on this topic. I really wanted to have a sheet pan meal that had chickpeas and also tofu because I actually like cooking tofu on sheet pans as well. I love, I do. I love frying How come you didn't just, how come you didn't share that in our tofu recipe? I was, there was too much to share. I'm sorry. I, (laughs) I somehow, somehow this escaped my mind that day. Okay, now spill it now. I'm really still in this like tofu place that I'm trying to get better with tofu. Yeah. So I have this recipe that will be out in my book and I will definitely share it once it's out, but where I take tofu and I make a harissa paste marinade and I just cover the tofu in that. And then I have chickpeas that I also toss in this marinade, but then I have broccolini or rapini or broccoli that doesn't get the marinade, but lives on the sheet pan. So basically you're roasting the tofu and the chickpeas separated. I believe I'm like, do I so remember they're on my the own same, rest- They're yeah. on the same sheet pan, but you've kind of like one, like the left side is the tofu and yeah. the right side is the, the okay. And here's the key is flipping it over. Before you would add the greens, you'd want to make sure you did a flip. Honestly, tofu in an oven, even if it's dredged slightly with potato starch or with spices or some kind of element that gives it a crust, even if that's just like a marinade, it will kind of get crusty, if that makes sense. Yeah. If you're roasting it at 375 to 425 and you flip it once, and so for that, this is where tofu butchery comes in. For those kinds of tofu meals, I like to have wide, thin slabs. If you took the block and you sort of cut it, does this make sense, into like thin rectangles instead of squares? Well, I always think about it from like the, you separate the mattress from the box springs. (laughs) That's the way I like to think. Yeah. When I used to teach people that, I would say, if you think of this as a bed that has a mattress and a box springs, you want it to be, the mattress is separated from the box springs, so it's not so thick, right? Okay. So this is not that kind of butchery, but I love that. This is the exact (laughs) opposite. So in your version, you're separating the mattress from the box spring. In mine, I would kind of be cutting it in half so that there's two sort of squares okay right and then you're doing either thin squares or you could keep it not cut in half and do thin vertical rectangles okay and I'm talking about like a quarter inch thick or half an inch thick max Max. so that when you're flipping it it really gets crispy on both sides and again having a lot of spice coating or paste coating any of these things a dredge will help it. You add the greens at the end and then everything's on your sheet pan and it's one meal. I love that idea. I think that's great. And I also, I feel like using the term tofu butchery is so charming. In her book, Chandra Isamoskowitz has a section on tofu butchery. Yes. And I just always love that because I was like, that we is what that it forward is. forward in our last tofu conversation <laughs> yes. where I was like, oh my God, I love the idea of this thing that's not meat being treated like meat. By the way, did you see that the New York Times had a whole spread on tofu like very recently after our conversation I was like like we're in lockstep with them in a lot of ways we put stuff forward and then they write a big piece about it and it's really (laughs) great I mean I think they're doing some of the best writing I turn to my New York Times food app a hundred times a day one of the first things I do when I wake up is see what the recipe of the day is so it's an incredible resource but yeah so that so tofu on a sheet pan a tofu meal works you could do that again with almost any like flavor combination I love the halloumi idea 
salmon, chicken, sausage. There's just a lot here. Well, and I want to offer an exemption to my, I don't use any parchment. Mm. Um, You know, I have my recipes that I go to on sheet pan. I honestly don't make that many sheet pan dinners. I'm definitely more of a, I throw my cast iron skillet in the oven. I actually have two of them. So sometimes I'll throw like the salmon on one and the vegetables in the other and get them hot and then I'll put everything into them. But I did like a little recon just like a quick research. And one of the things I think I'm not doing is cooking a lot of fish besides salmon on sheet pans. But I noticed that there were a lot of those recipes. And I think if you were cooking like a mild white fish, whether it was a cod or or halibut halibut or something like that, I would be willing to put parchment down because then you'll end up with a really beautiful serving of fish as opposed to something that's like sticking to the pan and creating a mess, breaking up as you're trying to serve it anyway. Also, the, I'm glad you said that because tofu is the same. You wouldn't want to cook to- – I don't think you would want oh. it straight on the pan. Okay, great. By the way, that's an amazing tip. When I leave, I'm going to go make a tofu sheet pan meal. And I'm glad to know that I should put – because I would probably not think to put parchment I. It may or may not work without parchment, but I just, you know how tofu can get sticky in a pan? My instinct is that you need the parchment because I always do it with parchment and it still gets crispy. I mean, it's not the same like deep crunchiness that like a hard fry is going to give you, but You know, it still has crispiness. Yeah, it has texture. And that's really what we're looking for. I mean, you know, in our recipes without recipes episode, one of the other things that you brought up, the idea is like you almost do it so automatically you don't remember. And the fact that you were the one who reminded me that I make these potato nachos all the time. I just make them so automatically. But one of the other things that I make on a sheet pan often that we started doing in pandemic was just making nachos. And nachos become this thing that if you've got a good chip, and I don't mean like a tostito, like something that's super light and crispy. One of my friends has this amazing Latin grocery store in East LA, and they get these chips that you can't get at Whole Foods. They're like so crispy and crunchy and made in LA. When he comes and brings me those chips. I use those for nachos until they're gone. There's an Oregon chip company that I've never found outside of Oregon. I could be wrong. They're definitely made in Oregon. And they're like the most popular tortilla chip of Portland. They're the best store-bought chip I've ever had. And are they good for nachos? Are they like thick? They can like hold? Because I think the question of what are you using your chip for, right? Like are you just looking for something crispy and light? That's not what you want for a nacho. You want well, like a- I know what you're talking – first of all, they're called Juanitas, if anyone. Okay. And I'm sure people locally are going to be like, of course. Like we all have Juanitas. It's like the state chip. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, why isn't it everywhere? Why can't you get it in LA even? Okay, but I'm ordering some of those for when I come to visit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you some. But if you're making a nacho, you're right. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about almost a corn chip that's like homemade. Ones that I like are called Princessa. And if I don't have those, I will take a corn tortilla and I will put a little bit of oil on it and a little bit of salt and I'll bake that. Oh, you almost bake like a tostada. It. Yeah. Because you can bake, you can bake chips at home and make them crispy as opposed to frying them that's so smart because then it makes a less mess you know to the same point that we made about the meatballs you can pan fry your meatballs to brown them right Mm -hmm. but putting them into a hot oven and letting the oven do all that work makes so much less mess which I will also offer cooking your bacon in the oven on a sheet pan is by far the best way to cook your bacon yes it doesn't make a mess it's not like oil flying all over the place and it makes it super crispy and the same thing happens with a tortilla, a corn tortilla. That's what I use. So 
corn tortilla, a little bit of oil on each side, a little bit of salt. And then from there, if you've got other toppings, like if you had ground beef or just beans or whatever, you've already got the crispy tostadas laid out onto your sheet pan. And then you can assemble them, throw them back in the oven, melt the cheese, and that's that's an amazing dinner. It's so fun. And then you have other toppings on the side and everyone can make it their own. Yeah. I mean, I think the key with all those layered nacho dishes is that you have to really layer. So you have to have like that's cheese almost like underneath the chips and in between and like stacks. You have stacks. to make sure each of your chips, you can't do it like willy nilly. No. And you have to be intentional about each chip, which I know sounds funny, but I have found it's a great activity for Mac and I to do. It almost becomes like an art project because it's like, oh, look, that one doesn't have the cheese on it. That one doesn't have the beans on yes. it. That one doesn't have, you can add cilantro, you can add radishes, you can add, you know, there's a million. Guacamole. Million, yeah. And, and you can make spaces for those things so people can add their own. And Pickled yeah, jalapeno I love on a nacho. Love. What your homemade corn chips made me think about your baked ones is that I love to make homemade pita chips. Even if I get restaurant pita, you know, sometimes you'll get like a restaurant order and it has like so much pita and you're like, what am I going to do with these five extra pitas? Then I make these chips just made me think that you could easily make a fun kind of sheet pan meal with pita chips. You could add ground, you know, like a flavorful ground meat and you could then top it with fresh cucumber and tomato and onion and feta and have a little like pita scoops. That's an amazing idea. And also the reason why I was shaking my head, people can't see this at home. (laughs) The reason why I'm shaking my head is you're saying like, oh, I really like to make pita chips. It's because I literally did that this week because there's this amazing Lebanese restaurant at the end of my street called Open Sesame that we order from very occasionally. And they're always so generous with the pita chips or with the pita. I always end up with these bags of pita, which I like hate anything to go to waste in my kitchen. So I'm always throwing in them into the freezer. And we ended up having friends over for dinner on Monday. We had leftover pasta. We had leftover broth. And I had these pitas in my oven. So I made pita chips and I served soup with pasta and cheese and pita chips and like a bunch <laughs> of crudite. And it was such a great fun meal. Yeah. Homemade pita chips are unrecognizable to the store-bought kind. Yes. Yeah, and I was just thinking one of the things we didn't go too deep into, but I really think these recipes are great for vegetarian meals. So like cauliflower steaks that then you add like chickpeas onto the pan. Totally. Or or eggplants like that are cut in half lengthwise. So they're just like half. So like you have these boats of eggplant and then you could have like roasted tomatoes and uh, garlic and top them with feta and have these little like individual serving sizes that come out. It's just there's so much there. There's so much it. there's so much there. Yeah, a sheet pan meal is a great way to then like you said it frees you up. So either you can use the sheet pan meal to go do something else because you've just put everything <laughs> in the oven or you can use that time to make a sauce and yeah. to make or to make a salad and or I pour think, yourself a glass of wine and then make a sauce, you know? Yeah, just eat it straight <laughs> out of the pan standing up by the stove and not even sit down for a meal or whatever. That's what you I wanna. do when I roast mushrooms. Really? Yeah, they. I have to roast double because I eat so many while I'm cooking them. <laughs> That's my favorite. Well, I think this is great. I'm definitely inspired to bust out the sheet pan. I'm going to explore this tofu idea that you're offering. I can't wait to see this in your cookbook. What, a, what an exciting time. Oh, Carrie, I just remembered something. I feel like 
needs to be shared in this conversation. Is that okay? Do we have time for a last minute edition? I always want your last minute edition. Okay. So recently I was developing recipes for one of my clients um, who's a chef and we were working on a sheet pan chicken parm. And one, this is a meal you and I didn't talk about, but we make a versions of this. We make a version of this. Yes. But I want to share some important discoveries on the sheet pan chicken parm front because I was not convinced that you could make a good version of a chicken cutlet in the oven. You can. So, I do know the answer to this question because I've done it before. Well, can we compare notes? Can yes, I tell you yes, what I did? Mine's, not, mine's not simple. Mine's not like the easiest version, but I tested chicken cutlets in the oven so many different ways. And what I found is, one, if you dredge it without flour, so you only dredge your cutlet in egg and panko, or breadcrumbs, that creates a less dry cutlet when you're baking. Two, so do you take your cutlets, your thinly pounded out cutlets, you dredge them in your egg mixture, you put them in your breadcrumb mixture, then you put them on a a sheet pan. But you do you elevate them? No. I've done that and that's dry to me. So this is, I'm talking about how do you make it not dry? Because that was my, like, how do you make it as close to, because when you fry a chicken cutlet, it is just never dry. When you bake it, it has a little dryness to it. Right. So, okay. What my trick was besides the don't add flour, first of all, I used a dark colored sheet pan and this is important. Mm. Number two, I toasted my breadcrumbs before I dredged them because if you don't, they don't get as toasty. Oh, interesting. You give them like a, you give them a a head start. A head start in a dry pan. No, you don't even need any. You just need to brown them slightly in a dry pan and you could do that days ahead of time. Then the other trick that I found, you put your baking sheet on the bottom rack of the oven not the yeah. middle. And then you flip over after like eight minutes, nine minutes. Because that bottom's cooking quicker. The bottom's cooking quicker. And it, the pan so it is cook, dark. The pan is dark. Right. The breadcrumbs are pre-toasted oh. and you get the juiciest but crispiest oven-cooked cutlets. Then you take that out of the oven, you top it with your sauce and your mozzarella and you stick it right back in and you let that cheese melt and you have a chicken parm. Magic. That's magic. Just the additional vegetarian piece that we can offer to people is that we did that with eggplant and we did it with cauliflower, right? Yes, we did did it with both. both. We roasted both of those things. We roasted the eggplants, we roasted the cauliflower and we did it so that there was space, right? They were like properly roasted. And then- We loaded them back on the trays like a nacho, and then we put our marinara and our cheese, and then we finished it off with crispy garlic breadcrumbs, panko breadcrumbs. Right, that we pan sauteed and just like used as a topping. You could roast your vegetables way ahead of time with that recipe. Wow. Well, I feel like this was such a great place to end on because it reminds me of something that you and I cooked together, and also I love this idea you know, we talked about bacon in the oven and now you can bake chicken parm in the oven. You can bake your meatballs in the oven on your sheet pans. And I am now deeply craving nachos. And I, <laughs> we don't make those often and it's such a fun meal a fun and you're meal. really inspiring me to like embrace a nacho night. I am most interested in doing this tofu because, you know, I'm always looking for ideas in that space. One day Mac Weaver is going to turn around and like and himself some tofu. tofu. Yes. <laughs> Oh, wow. Until then, happy cooking and eating. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Happy cooking and eating.